Father, you are good and gracious and kind. And uh, this morning, as we dive into your word, and as we begin to even explore a topic where, uh, for many of us, just guards come up and uh, excuses begin to, to, to just flow, Lord, I pray that you finish all of that and that you and you alone God, will teach us that what we're talking about today, it has nothing to do with our bank account. It has everything to do with our heart. And that is your domain. That is what you want and desire um, from us more than anything. And so, God, I pray that this morning, if there's any distractions that the Satan wants to put in our mind or in our heart, God, would you guard us against that? And may we hear a message, Lord, from you, the God who is jealous for our hearts and wants more of us and doesn't want any false idol or God to get in the way of the one true God, you, in the relationship that you desire with us and for us. This heart that you have purchased by the blood of your son, that's how much you care about it. And so, Lord, may we open and give our hearts to you this morning, even as we talk about this issue. In Jesus' name, amen. So you, you heard Andy say that one of our values as a church is we live like God owns everything. And I am excited that today we're going to be where we talk about that over the next couple of weeks. Like, what does it really mean for us to, to live like God owns everything. And I think that this series, is, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in the life of our church. It's a big deal to, to God. And I believe that it has a potential to, to be a big deal to, to you as well. But I also recognize that um, anytime a church begins to talk about money, which we are talking about today, how do we financially live like God owns everything? Anytime the church talks about money, there's a bit of a gag or that maybe you're experiencing even right now. Maybe you're new here today and you're thinking, great, my first Sunday and he's talking about money. Awesome. Uh, maybe you brought a friend to church with you today and you're thinking, oh, Sean, why didn't you warn me that we were talking about money today? A friend of mine who leads a church in East Providence, Rhode Island, uh, he, he told me that he started a, a sermon on, on money one time and before he even made it through his introduction, he looked out and the guy had gotten up and left. Just He just left. Like he didn't get, But he had already filled out like a little connect card. And so Jared followed up. Like, hey, I saw, I saw you leave. Just want to see, you know, what was going on. And he's like, yeah, you start talking about money and I'm out. And so listen, if you're new and you're still here, you made it further than that guy. So congratulations. Happy, happy for you. <laughs> now there's a myth that is floating around that makes a lot of churches shy away from talking about this. And Not because it's not a big deal, 
It's because too many churches and pastors have handled the subject so poorly that it scared everyone off from talking about it. We know that as soon as we do, walls and barriers go, go up because it has been mishandled. Yeah, maybe you've been a part of a church like that. The topic of money was maybe even abuse or abusive to the point where you felt exploited by the church. And that's been your experience, yeah. Like, first of all, thanks for not giving up on the church. You know, we, even at Shiller Oaks, Bedford, Shiller Oaks, we are still a broken body of believers trying to do our best. We don't do everything right, and sometimes we get it wrong more than we get it right. Um, but if you felt abused or exploited by the church before when it comes to finances, like, can I just say I'm sorry? Find us to, to be a place that, is, that really is Despite the myth and despite the fact that many churches have abused this topic in the past and some continue today, money is an important issue. Like, we can't hide it. Quentin was talking about it even uh, before service started. Like, you know, two things that, that are the biggest uh, part of, like, not just relationships, but our life is money and sex. And the church really talks about either one of them. So, you know, next week we're starting a sermon series on sex. Uh, this week, though, we're going to talk about money. <laughs> Yeah, easy. <laughs> I think I just made Quentin spit out his coffee. Yes, that's going to come up in our production team meeting later on this week. That's a win, man. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it because this is important. I mean, we make financial decisions every single day, right? We make financial decisions every single day. Some of you are making financial decisions even right now, deciding where you're going to go for lunch. It's important because money. The leading cause of stress in our lives and our relationships was important too because this issue is important to Jesus. And like that trumps everything. It's important to Jesus, so it needs to be important to us. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about money. 800 times, Scripture talks about money in a total of 2,300 verses. At least 15% of everything that Jesus talked about revolved around finances. That, that is more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. 15% of everything that Jesus talked about was around finances. So why is this important to him? Why does he spend so much time talking about an issue so many churches run away trying to avoid? He tells us in our text today. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use... Open it up with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We'll also have the words up on the screen if you just want to follow along that way. And so why is this? Why, why is this, this topic of finance is so important to, to Jesus? Why did he spend so much time talking about it? I can tell you it's not because he wanted any of it. It's not because Jesus wanted any of it. In fact, when Jesus talked about money, he never asked for any of it. If anything, he tells us what we should do to give it to, to others. He talks about money because he knew that how we handle our money is not a matter of our checkbook. It's a matter of our hearts. How we handle our money, it's not a matter of our checkbook. It is a matter of our heart. For those of you who are younger and you're like, what's a checkbook? Um, it's, it's an old version of Venmo, all right? So, like, maybe you know, more hip language here. How you handle your Venmo account is not a matter of your money. It's a matter of your heart. How you handle finances, it's 
It's not about money. It's about your heart. And Jesus cares a whole lot about our heart. Think about it. This idea that, that, that finance is about our heart, like it makes sense, doesn't it? I think it's why we get so defensive when we begin to talk about it. I think it's why some of us get very emotional when we begin to talk about things that, that, that surround our finances because it truly is a matter of our heart. This isn't about your spending, your savings, your, your Roth IRA, or your debt. This is about your heart. And I think that's why Jesus spent so much time talking about it. You see, our money is making war with our heart. It has this godlike ambition to matter to us. It demands our, our worship. It wants all of our allegiance and our affection. And so when Jesus sees anything attempting to steal our hearts or distract us from him, he's going to, he's going to speak out against it. He's going to go to war with it. The truth is that he bought our hearts with his blood, and he's not about to let anything steal it from him. He's not about to let anything from him, especially something as temporary and as fleeting as our finances. And so that's why we're talking about this unapologetically during this series. Why should we talk so little about something that Jesus cared about so much? And this issue of money affects our relationships with God and others, and Jesus wants us to be completely surrendered to him, which includes honoring him with how we use and we view handle our finances. And so with that, how do we know where our affections lie? Jesus tells us in our passage today, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy. I love that the NIV use vermin in the text. That's a good Bedford term right there. Where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. For yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break into sea. For where your treasure is, don't miss this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know the truth is, in church for a while, you know that. You've heard this passage, you've heard this sermon before. As you look in your life, where would you say your treasure lies? Where's your heart? Because there's a big difference between hearing sermons about it and reading passages about it and being familiar with it. There's a big difference between that and actually really applying this in our life. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus says if you want to see where what your heart treasures, what it values, what you trust, what you find delight in, if you want to see what your heart treasures, just follow the money trail. <laughs> It'll reveal it every time. See, money has the unique ability to show where your heart is, especially when it comes to your relationship with, with God. Our, our commands and scriptures are you know, a little bit more vague when it comes to this. And, you know, it, it's hard to measure how well you are loving your neighbor as yourself, like Jesus tells us in Matthew 22. It's hard to measure that. It's hard to see it. It's hard to measure how well you are letting the Word of God dwell in you richly, as Paul tells us in Colossians 3. These are, are gray areas, and the commands and our, and our obedience is kind of subjective. 
We can measure it more by our intentions than by our actions and possibly think that we're doing better than what we are. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I want to love my neighbor as myself, and so, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job. Even if somebody cuts me off in traffic and the finger goes up, oh, maybe I'm not doing as good of a job as I think that I am. I want to let the Word of God dwell in me richly, like I've got that desire, but I just keep hitting snooze and snooze and snooze, and I get up just in time to get ready and head off to work, and ever spend any time in the Word of God. We can let our intentions mask if we're actually living these things out. But money is different. Like money gives us an honest look into our hearts. There's not a lot of gray area when it comes to our finances. You have receipts staring you in the face to show you where the money is going. You have bank accounts and credit card statements. All of these things point to what we are spending our money on, and we spend our money on what really we feel like it is, is valuable. It shows what we treasure. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us that we're, we're all going to treasure something. Not every single one of us. We're going to treasure something. And we're going to store those treasures somewhere. That's what it means to, to lay up for yourselves treasure. It's the image of storing away our treasure somewhere. We think that it's going to be safe. And the reason we store up our treasure is because we look to it for security or identity or sense of meaning and purpose. In fact, I think Jesus even says it like, like this, what you treasure reveals what you trust. What you treasure reveals what you trust. That's, that's why we store these things away. They're important to us because we, we trust in them. We, we trust them to provide us something. I, if I trust my retirement for security, then I'm going to treasure it. If I trust my house for personal value and how others see me, then I'm going to treasure it. If I trust my car for my identity, then I'm going to treasure it. But the thing about these earthly treasures that Jesus tells us is that they are temporary. And it's not that Jesus is rebuking us for having these things. He just doesn't want us to place our trust and our security in them. It's because he knows that retirement funds will dwindle. Newer and bigger houses are built every day. Cars go out of style and rust and wear. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin and rust and destroy where thieves break in and steal. These, these earthly treasures are temporary. They can't give our hearts what they really are looking for. They will fail you. And when you die, you can't take those things with you. They'll fail you every single time. Instead, Jesus is calling us to a greater level of trust and confidence in a God who knows our every need and who loves us enough to provide our every that's why he tells us to store up for ourselves treasures in, in heaven. Jesus wants us to put our money towards something that is eternal and has a higher return on investment than just the life that we live here on this earth. And, and the way that we store up treasures in heaven is by living lives of generosity. If you want to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, you live a life of generosity. But to get there, we must first... Adeline and Nora, they have taught me so much about God and myself. 
I, I have no idea how selfish of a person I was until we had it. <laughs> they had a way of revealing that, and we still continue to, to do that. There are so many things that, that I've learned from, from them, and there are so many things that I've seen them do, and I think, God, is that how I act with, with you? <laughs> Helps me understand my relationship with my Heavenly Father when, when I kind of process my earthly relationship with my daughters. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed in, you know, seven and a half years of being a parent is that if my girls have one of something, they want two of that thing. Like if they have one of something, they want two. If they have one cracker, they want two. If they have one piece of toast, they want two. At dinner time, they will shout and scream, I want more. You know, whatever it is on the plate, even though we're like, you still have some on your plate. Like, what are you talking about? You want more? Just eat what you have, and then we can give you some more. And I think that the reason why they, they behave this way the reason why I behave this way at times is because they don't trust. They don't trust. They only trust what they can see, and in the meantime, I'm telling them, listen, there's more if you eat what you have. I'm not going to give them everything they want, but I am going to give them what they need in that moment, and then ask them to trust me to provide Do you know what's happened as they've learned to trust in us? Nothing. <laughs> they still do it, just like me. <laughs> but there are times when we see glimpses of generosity within our hearts that make us think they get it. They trust. And they know that we love them and are caring for them. And they're learning, even at six and seven years old, they're learning what it means to live more generously and to trust. Living like God owns everything is about storing up treasures in heaven. It's about releasing the grip you have on your stuff so that your stuff will release that it has on you. It's about trusting God with your money instead of trusting money as your God. And when you begin to live more open-handedly with the stuff that God has entrusted you with, all of a sudden, generosity becomes so much easier. So much easier. And you realize that God never wanted something from you. He only wanted something for you. Don't we all want to live more generous lives? Like, I guess I just kind of, I came into this sermon this weekend with that assumption. That we all just want to live more generous lives. We want our generosity to make a difference in the lives of others and in their life to come. Our generosity will make sense when we see the treasures that, have been, that we've been storing up all this time in heaven. Generosity reinforces in us that this world is not our home. We spin and we hold on to, we do all of these things feeling like this world is it. So much more. The generosity reinforces that this world is our own. Letting go of things is a reminder for us that we can't keep any of it. And that God has something so much better in store for us. Storing up treasures in heaven is trusting God with your treasure, and trusting God with your treasure will lead to a more generous life. 
which is why when it comes to our money, this is so much more than just your checkbook or your savings account or your Venmo or your retirement fund or your debt. This really is a matter of the heart, not your heart. He doesn't need your money. He owns everything anyway. And he wants your heart. So how do we know if our heart is his? Again, Jesus says, follow the money trail. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And whenever Jesus talked to people about money, he was very, very specific. And so I want to get specific with you this morning as well. If you receive a bulletin on your way in, go ahead and pull that out and open it up. And you should find a, a little handout in it. We don't often do bulletin inserts, but we did this morning because uh, we want you to go home with, with something. Inside you'll find an insert titled Financial Snapshot. This is a, a condensed budget form to help you see where your money is actually going and what it reveals about your heart, what it reveals about what you actually trust. And here's what I want everyone to do this week. I want you to take this home and fill it out. And if you're new here this morning, you're like, great. He talks about money and he gives homework during his sermons. Listen, it's, this is not every week, I promise. It's not every week. <laughs> But it is important. And this week, I want you to go home and fill this worksheet out. Some of you are like, yeah, I've got a much more complicated Excel sheet than, than this little paper. Um, and you're doing it, and you're rocking this, and you know the difference in the power that it has. And that's, that's great. Like, we celebrate that. I encourage you, maybe, maybe if you have kids, uh, if you have some friends, like, just show them what you do, because we need to know. And for some of you, this will be the very first time that you've actually written down on paper where your money is, is going. And just take a look at it. And when you're done, I want you to ask yourself three questions. And if you're, you're married, I want you to ask them together. If you're single, may I encourage you to find a friend that, that's maybe here in this church, maybe someone outside of the church, that you can just do this with them. And you, you talk about these questions with another person. Don't, don't go through this by yourself. I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Number one, according to my cash flow, do I actually treasure God? According to where my money is going, do I actually treasure God? Am I being a good steward of what God has entrusted me with? Have I prioritized my wants over generosity? And this is, will be challenging for even a little convicting and uncomfortable, but you have to be honest with where your heart is, because at the end of the day, it's, it's what this is about, and it's why this matters so much, and I don't want you two, three, five, ten years down the road going, oh yeah, I've heard that passage before, oh yeah, I've heard something before, and there's nothing different in your life between now and then. It's going to take really Here's why this matters so much. Because God knows at the end of the day, the generous life is the joy-filled life. The generous life is the joy-filled life. And so many of you, you can stand up and give a testimony right now about how you, as you have become more generous. Not because you have all of this abundance left over, but as you prioritize generosity with, with your finances, with your gifts and your abilities and your talents, just with everything that God has entrusted to you, as you have prioritized generosity with those things that God has entrusted you with, you know the joy 
that is a part of it. There's no better way to live. It's what God wants for you. Would you stand with me? God showered us with his generosity through Jesus. We live like God wants everything because God gave us everything in Jesus. And now like, we have the opportunity to surrender all that we have, all that we are, to him. If you're here today and you've not yet made that decision, so much so that he gave his life for you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the guilt or the shame of what's been done to you. It was not your fault. Jesus wants to offer you a new life and a fresh start through him. When you give part of your life to him, he comes in, he makes his home, and he takes you to a place of joy as you begin to live more like God wants everything, including your heart. We're going to sing this song. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, you come forward. Maybe it's just right there in your, in your seat and your decision is, Lord, I'm going to surrender more of my life, including what you've entrusted to me and my finances. Whatever it is that God's stirring your heart with, would you have the courage this morning to surrender to Him and say, Lord, have more of me.